When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along to another edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. As always, I am James, I haven't changed since the last time you met me, and as always, we've got a very good guest for you on the Cricket Badger Podcast today. It's the Derbyshire captain, Billy Godelman, and some really good answers to the Cricket Badger 20 questions that Billy serves up to us over the next hour of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Thanks, as always, to tvsportsblog.com for their support of the Cricket Badger Podcast. Give them a follow at TV Sports Blog on Twitter. Some really good sporting content on that website. But it's a short introduction today because we've got a very good chat and we might as well get to it. It's Captain of Derbyshire. It's Billy Godelman on this edition of the Cricket Badger Podcast. It's that Badger style. Billy Godelman, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. It's a while since we've spoken. How are you, mate? I'm uh, keeping well. Uh, thank you, James, particularly in light of what's what's going on in the world at the moment. And yeah, it's a, it's a real pleasure to, to chat to you uh, again and, and, and get on the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, you've been on before, but th- those are in the days, those those dim distant days of probably even just a fortnight ago when I didn't have the new kit that I've got. So the the audio quality is better. You used to, when I spoke to you before, I recorded you on an app on my phone and everything was done from my, my uh, mobile phone. But now we're, we're a bit more technologically advanced. So people can hear you. The, the numbers have grown as well on the podcast, Billy. So everything's looking good and it's good to have you here. Derbyshire captain, obviously, as well, in lockdown as a player, how how frustrating is that? Is it is it quite nice to actually have some time at home too? But you must be absolutely champion at the bit to get out there on the on the green stuff and start playing again. Well, firstly, before I answer your first question, James, it is um, uh, I know you've updated with a, with some new kit recently, but I'm I'm sure the uh, the quality of questions are going to be as as engaging as um, as ever. Um, and and just to congratulate you on the. On the great work and, and content that you're putting out, not just to the cricket world, but uh, broader sporting community, you're doing a fantastic job. Oh, you're a very nice man. I mean, we've we've had time together on pre-season trips and stuff like that in the past. And I've always found, yeah, cricketers are usually quite a nice bunch. They're all a, a fairly intelligent bunch. And if you ask them a question, they tend to kind of like go along with it, even if it's a bad question and stuff like that. But I've always found the Derbyshire guys to be very, very pleasant. Oh, really? That's why it's not nice to hear. 
I think across the board, maybe there's uh, take this with a pinches pinches biased sort because I am a cricketer. But I think across the board, cricketers are generally very approachable, and yeah, they they they're happy to to give some some depth and uh, and content to, to their answers in, in whatever setting it is. Yeah, uh, I mean, perhaps I, it's just a, a cricket thing. I, I I do count myself very lucky to kind of do the majority of my work, certainly in terms of kind of interviewing people in cricket um, because, yeah, as I say, there's more than one brain cell rattling through uh, the likes of your head, so it's uh, it's always quite a good chat to have. But, yeah, yeah, getting back to the question, um, how is lockdown? How, how, how are you finding it? Yeah, sorry to take you off the Billy, if you're going to praise me, I'm more than happy to do 45 minutes on that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, look, lockdown has personally been a real mixture. Firstly, with the virus developing um, as it is and, and has done, and all the unfortunate people that and families that have been um, that have been hit by it, uh, it, it really has personally put everything into perspective, really. So from from that regard, the fact that myself and, and my closest family at the moment have, have managed to stay to stay healthy, um, we're just really grateful for that. Generally, around springtime, are, are not sort of the, the usual thoughts and feelings that you that you experience as a cricketer. It's, it's more gearing towards the season. So with with that understanding, James, uh, there is also a, a big part of me that is yeah is missing the opportunity to go out and, and open the batting and uh, and hit a cricket ball, which which I love doing. I've done for for many years, and even being in and around um, the lads at the social side of uh, of the changing room and, and travelling. Yeah, there's there's really sort of two parts of me at the minute or one that's that's really grateful and uh, to be healthy and and, and proud of of what we're doing as as a nation particularly the guys on the on the front line that are are fighting for us um but also there's there's a part of me that this time of year signifies playing cricket and and to have that or not to have that uh opportunity is um yeah it's been really strange yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I'm, I'm kind of split 50-50. Obviously, it's horrendous. My daughter's a nurse as well and obviously kind of concerned about her and very proud of her at the same time. Yeah, but, you must be extremely yeah, proud, yeah. You know, you, you're also, um, you know, this is the time where I start to kind of like wander around. You know, we've, we've, we've done the press days. You start watching cricket, here, bat on ball and that's kind of the summer and uh, we're being denied that at the moment, aren't we? I mean, I wanted to get into talking to you. I mean, before we get, you're going to do the 20 questions today and we'll, we'll get onto that and uh, some of the more light-hearted stuff in a moment. But, yeah, COVID and coronavirus and and lockdown and and no sport and all that kind of stuff. It's I, I find it quite a, a a worrying time for cricket. I've been quite vocal, Billy, on my opposition to the hundred, but that's that's almost been shelved at the moment because I I'm concerned about cricket survival and and the survival yeah. of the county clubs. The ECB have uh, obviously going to be. Um, a skint to a degree um, because mm. the, the money's not rolling into their coffers. And if, if we have a summer, which is potentially possible, where we don't get any cricket at all and there's no revenue streams coming in, cricket's going to take a serious hit, isn't it? Look, James, I don't, um, I don't know intricately the, the finances of, of sort of individual counties and, and ECB as our sort of governing body, but yeah, you, you would assume 12 months of six or seven months in our case across a county season of, of no cricket play, no content for the television and other media outlets and, and no revenue for or for counties. I think it would be more than reasonable to to have the concerns that, that you have and, and I share as well. I, I just hope that somehow, uh, some way, 
in all of the, these hard times and, and hardships, there is a, a possible solution to, to make sure that we safe, safeguard the game at, at all levels and it doesn't take um, too big of a hit. I saw a quote, I mean, it's a few weeks ago now, but Mark Arthur, the, the Yorkshire chief executive, he, he was saying, yeah, most county clubs, they kind of budget and they have um, lower level budgets, mid-level budgets and high level budgets, depending on expectations and what have you. And he said, you know, most counties budget for maybe 80% or something like that if, if it doesn't quite go right. But yeah. no counties budget for nothing. <laughs> no, and, and a lot of the counties, I mean, Derbyshire are no different. Every, every county yeah. ha- is set up to have the, the cricket, the, the, the kind of income that comes from that, but you'll have your your social nights and your entertainment venues as, as part mm. of the ground, which it, which yeah, you know, all of that's cancelled at the moment. That yeah, you know, count, counties have rock concerts on the grounds and all kinds of different yeah, things to sure. try and earn some cash, don't they? And all of that's just just falling away, isn't it? Yeah, Adam, we, we had a, a big concert kind of mid to late summer as well. So in line with your your examples, there they're they're going to be a, a lot of things, not just cricket. Uh, that that make yeah, things very difficult for for the county and the and the broader domestic game. What be uh yeah be interesting to hear what uh, I know you've um, you have been quite vocal in your in your concerns, but what exactly they are? Like how do you see the, the landscape of cricket over the next twelve, eighteen, twenty four months, James? Well, I I think we, we've kind of if if sorry if yep. if if we assume the very worst case scenario that there is no cricket played. I've been vocal against the hundred. I don't. I didn't think cricket needed a fourth format. I thought the way it was introduced, with a very much a lack of consultation to existing supporters, was poor from the ECB. I didn't think they listened enough to their existing customer base. I thought that it was a bit of a gamble, and you were kind of putting your eggs into a new basket. You got the T Twenty Blast, which was successful. You're, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. Derbyshire have been very, very successful in that of late as well, and we were getting more bums on seats in the T Twenty Blast. And my way, if you're going to change things, and I'm certainly not anti change. If you're going to change it, I thought the best way of doing it, and I've heard a few other people say this as well, so it's not my theory, but having a, a two-divisional T20 blast where you have a Premier League, which is the, the shiny one, which is a TV matches, you have promotion and relegation, you have playoffs at the end of the season, which are going to be you know, mirroring the football kind of model. That would have in- increased the kind of relevance of that tournament. Um, you've got existing supporters for all 18 counties, so the risk of introducing something brand new wouldn't be there because you've already got that county fan base who would have attended the T20 matches anyway. Hopefully you'd get a new audience coming in too, and therefore you'd have something quite solid and quite strong with the potential to, to really ramp it up and make it make it sing and dance. Yeah. But the argument for that is almost kind of gone on hold at the moment because my my concern at the moment is for cricket in general. Like I said, you know the the, the lack of revenue, and I'm usually quite a glasses half full kind of guy. I've kind of trained myself at the moment to be pessimistic and not expect to see any cricket this summer. And then if, if it all changes, then I'll be delighted. But th- this could even kick on into next year. Yeah, I think people you know, don't quite comprehend that we've had a lockdown period, but that virus is still out there. Social distancing yeah. is going to continue for a long, long time until there's a vaccine and there's medicines and we're able to actually cope with this. So 2021 season could be impacted yet. So it is quite gloomy, I think, in terms of the, the, the immediate future for cricket and the lack of revenue for, for a sport like cricket. It's not, I mean, you'll, you'll know cricketers aren't paid. They're, they're, you've got a nice income. I'm not, not going to ask you what it is, but as captain of Derbyshire, you'll get a, a nice little tidy salary. But it's, you're, not, you're not on Wayne Rooney's money. Cricket doesn't earn the kind of cash that Manchester United and Chelsea's making football so yeah this, this is quite an earth-shattering moment for cricket and we, we might come out the other side of it with the landscape looking quite a lot different to, to how it is now and I think 
you know, the, the arguments now for the hundred. I mean, I, I, I mean, this is your interview, and I end up talking more than you do. But for me, I was totally anti the hundred. But if if the hundred is the answer, and if the hundred is going to be the money making thing that the ECB are, are touting it as, surely rather than play the T20 Blast this year, you played the 100 because that could bring some money into the coffer. So I, I can't quite comprehend. I haven't quite got my head around how all of the finances and all of this stuff works at the moment. But, you know, I, I mean, just kind of the, the last point is to reiterate, I am I am really concerned about the game of cricket. I love 18 counties. I love the Derbyshires and Leicestershires and the, the kind of so-called smaller counties. I love the bigger sure. counties and the test match grounds. And, you know, one of my reasons for opposing the 100 was that I, want, I, I thought it was potentially a route for the ECB to end up culling the 18 counties and to kind of say, well, this eight-team franchise model works, so therefore let's kind of trim everything down. I didn't want to see that. I want to see 18 counties flourish. I love the championship and I love the Red Bull. I like the White Bull, but I love the Red Bull too. And that that was my concern. But I think, you know, in COVID times and, and the aftermath of COVID, when hopefully very soon, but whenever that is, I, I'm concerned, Billy, about the game and the future of cricket. Yeah, well, I can hear that. And I think it's, a concern that is shared definitely through my sort of network within the game. And yeah, the, the thought of, of this extending to 2021, that is really concerning. So let's hope that um, something can can be done or uh, we're able to, to adapt with, with the new sort of resources and, uh, and conditions that, uh, that the world throws at the game of cricket. One thing I wanted to ask you is, I mean, the, the potential way out of, of this, even whilst the virus is out there, is for games to be played behind closed doors there's been a lot of talk about you know whether it's international matches whether it's the 100 whether it's the t20 blast however it's done you know sticking counties and and teams into quarantine you know you're you're away from your wife and your kids and and all the rest of it but at least you're playing cricket and at least the the game's earning some money but do you see that being a a potential possibility i mean there's a really good video on youtube if uh, listeners want to watch it i did retweet it the other day jared kimber has done a little kind of like funny little video of about covid times and how how can cricket play in lockdown and he shares my opinions, really, that I find it very difficult to comprehend how you can keep players and all of the kind of like peripheral figures that are around a game of cricket, the umpires and coaches and media and whoever else, how you can keep them safe. And, you know, it only takes one person to cough on day three of a tournament and all of a sudden everybody's back in quarantine in isolation again, aren't they? They are. And that is, I'm no, I'm no doctor, healthcare sector worker, James, but I, I share the, the same concerns. It is so many people in a confined space. It, it doesn't take much to, to spread the virus. So that is, I think, people's health at the moment, whether you're a player or, or official, is what's closest or, or most prominent on people's minds. So although I'd personally love to, to get back and, and play cricket as soon as possible, um, but I certainly wouldn't want to do that uh, to the detriment of of people's health uh, in and around the cricket community, but most importantly, to, to take any resources or time and energy away from people that, that are fighting and pursuing things um, that are quite a bit more important than a, than a game of cricket. I mean, that, that's one of the things that this is doing, really, isn't it? I mean, we all love cricket. We all think it's massively important because yeah. it, it is our livelihoods and it's what we love. At the end of the day, it's just a sport and it's a game, isn't it? It is. And, and it is very, as you say, to... to I don't want to come across flippant of the, the importance of us getting out there and playing the revenue streams obviously provide us all in the cricketing world with with our incomes. Um, so we've obviously got an invested interest in the, in the game 
getting up and, and running as soon as possible. Um, but yeah, just just personally, my, my stance, I can only speak on, on behalf of myself, is I, I would have to feel comfortable that it was, that we were not feeling as if we were taking resources or, or time and energy away from people that, that really need it. I'm going to throw this at you off the um, off kind of left field here, but if I was the if I was phoning you up now and I said, right, Billy, um, I'm the ECB. We're going to have the T20 Blast. We're going to play it over a five week period. But what we need you and your team to do is to come two weeks in advance, um, stay in a hotel away from your family. Um, yeah. You're all in isolation for two weeks to try and make sure that the virus isn't inside of the various camps. And then you, you still remain in quarantine throughout a five-week period where we play a T20 Blast tournament. It means that we're going to get revenue. It means that we're going to get entertainment on the TVs. It means that the game can you know, potentially at least get something out of this summer. What kind of questions would you ask back there if um, if that was offered to you? I mean, would that be something that you would consider doing? Well, firstly, I would most certainly consider doing it. Um, but that would be under the, the strong assumption that um, we would get to that point by not overlooking the, the point that I've made previous, that yeah. assuming that the, the governed bodies and, and the, uh, the people that are making the decisions at, at county and, uh, and board level don't see that five-week period as, as being us being treated differently to, to, to normal civilian people, if, if that's the right, right thing to say, or, or non-sporting people. Um, and most importantly, the, the guys out there in the world that, as I said, that need the time and energy and, and resources to, well, to to keep alive and keep healthy. So, yeah, look, under the assumption that we wasn't breaking any of that, I, I would be more than more than willing and and happy to firstly get back and, and play the, the game of cricket that I love, but also if it, if it helped us get content out there and, for the financial side of the cricket to be enhanced by that, then, yeah, providing we wasn't making things harder or more difficult and challenging for people outside the cricket and sporting world, then I'd be very much uh, uh, open and happy to do that, James. Well, I hope we're not talking about this for too much longer, but I fear that we might be. Cricket Badger Podcast is brought to you in association with tvsportsblog.com. Give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Excellent sporting content. It's well worth a look and give them a follow on Twitter at tvsportsblog. Let's get into your Cricket Badger 20 questions, Billy Godelman. Yeah, we'll start with question number one. If you hadn't gone into cricket, what would Billy Godelman be doing now? What would you have done with your life? It's a really tough one, that James, because I started very young, so been fortunate to be a professional since I was 16 so I didn't really have too much time to, to think of alternative options other than cricket as, as a child all I wanted to do was was play cricket uh, for, for a living um, and, and be a professional so yeah in that in that regard I, I yeah I'm not quite sure the thought of me not being involved in cricket in some context um, I find difficult to, to see now. Um, so perhaps I, I would have got my coaching badges uh, a lot earlier and, and pursued um, a, a career that in coaching or in a way that I could have been connected to the game. Who has been the biggest influence on your cricket career? I hope this is not a, a boring answer for the sake of the podcast because I, I think it would be, um, it wouldn't feel right for me to, to name someone 
specifically in the cricket world because I've had so many influences and people that have added value and uh, really helped and looked after me through my professional career. It, yeah, it doesn't feel right to, to, to name one specifically. So um, I'd have to say my dad, uh, James, um, because before I became a professional, sort of the, the love and the introduction to, to the game was through him. Um, and then, yeah, the amount of hours of time and energy and resource that he gave to me in firstly learning the game, but then being able to, to play it as much as I, as I did as a child and, and develop and get better and create opportunities for me. Um, yeah, if I wouldn't have had that, that foundation of mum and dad, yeah, I certainly wouldn't have, have been able to, uh, to forge a career as a professional. Parents play a massive part, don't they, as, as kids? I mean, we, we've all had that. Um, even people like me who are too rubbish to actually be a professional cricketer. I, I, I would imagine from your side of things, that, that day when you see, you score 100 and you're walking off and you see your dad clapping and looking proud as punch, that that's kind of sort of payback? Yeah, it is. Um, it is. And uh, particularly, I, I found more, uh, just personally, like the, uh, earlier in my career, um, it, it was more the case. I think maybe because there hadn't been so much time and distance from that sort of early formative years period where uh, there's so many sort of hours that dad and I spent in, in the nets or on the motorway or talking over the game. And the, yeah, that that felt the case more. Um, so yeah, like massively uh, in, indebted to, to both mum and dad for the sacrifices that they made and uh, in providing me the opportunities to, to play the game and, and get better and, and somehow become... Um, a professional fulfill my dream as a, as a child to, to play yeah to play the game what's been your best moment in cricket if I could take you Billy Godelman back to any day in your career to allow you to live that 24 hours again which day would you take me back to as a Middlesex player we won the 2007 I believe it was 2020 tournament against uh, Kent in a, in a thrilling final down at the Rose Bowl it's the only so far in my career it's the only domestic uh, honour that, that I have and actually look back now and I do laugh at sort of how, how naive I was I think it was only my sort of third or second or third year as, as a professional and um, I'd won such a such a big uh, tournament and, and prize and, and wrongly at the time assumed that that's what, what it was like you played a few games and you, you won a few few tournaments so now look personally as a as a, as a London boy and a, and a Middlesex lad coming through and, and, a, and a huge supporter having grown up at Lords at the age of eight or nine to as a teenager um, not be not only be a, a part of, of winning a huge domestic honour but to actually play in the game and, and the tournament throughout yeah it was uh, about 24 hours um, was most yeah most certainly my um, on this uh, within the game of, uh, of cricket memories I heard Anthony McGrath saying the other day that when the Yorkshire won the, the championship in 2001, he, he didn't really take it, uh, like you just said, he, he enjoyed the celebrations and everything. But looking back now, he sees the significance of that day. Whereas at the time, he was just thinking, well, we'll probably win another one next year. Yeah, and, and I think very similar to, to Mags in, in that regard, that I, I think mine was more sort of youth and, and, and naivety. I was a teenage I just thought that's that's what happened you you played you played some games and you won a tournament and I look back now I haven't played for another whatever it is 10 12 years since then and haven't managed to win to win anything since 
yeah, I, uh, I certainly didn't um, at the time perhaps sort of appreciate or savour it as, uh, as much as I can now looking back retrospectively. I'd imagine from what you just said there, if you, if you could lift something as captain of Derbyshire, that would probably eclipse that now. You'd probably appreciate it more because you've had to wait so long. Oh, most certainly. Um, not, not just because of the, the time the time frame in, in weight, obviously that, that, that would add to it, but my affiliation and connection with Derbyshire as a county and, and Derby as a, uh, as a part of the world is, is very important to me. To me, James, now, as you know, I'm very fortunate to be uh, captain of the club um, moving into half a decade now. I'm very much throughout my, my time uh, as, a, as a Derbyshire player lived um, very close to the ground in the local community, very connected to the local community. My children have been, um, family have been raised here. Because um, of the size and us, uh, Derbyshire being a smaller club, the, the communication and relationships with the members are, is an intimate one. It's really nice in that regard. And most importantly, to, to, to not only represent a, a club that, that means, and a city that means so much to you, but to play alongside a, a quite a few of your closest friends and, and win something, you know, would certainly uh, would eclipse anything that I've um, managed to, to experience in the game. Before five years ago, did you see yourself as a captain? And what, what have been the challenges of taking on the captaincy? Is it something that you found easy and natural, or have you had to really work at it? Um, I've had this, I've had this, people have asked me this question a few times, actually. I think um, I, I don't know whether, because I've done it for like a reasonable period of time, that people assume that you, you've always wanted to be a captain. And, and you'd know because particularly that one pre-season that, that you alluded to earlier in the in the podcast where you, you were with us throughout one of our pre-season tours at the start of my transition into the club. The captaincy would have been the furthest thing away from what well, it wasn't on my mind. Yeah. Just re-establishing my career and having opportunities to play and win games for Derby is all, all that I was trying to do um, when I joined the club. So yeah, to, to answer your question, I, I never imagined that um, that I would be or would have the opportunity to captain Derbyshire. However, it, it would it wouldn't be totally accurate of me to say I've never thought that I would like or could be a captain, um, particularly at sort of lower level, you know, younger age group type of experience. I'd never actually been um, earmarked or given the opportunity to captain. Um, and yeah, internally, I found that. Um, <laughs> hard to understand at times because I thought that personally thought I, I could have done a reasonable job at it but um, uh, I'm sure there were there were reasons to, um, for, for why I wasn't <laughs> entrusted with that responsibility at a young age so yeah look, although I, I never actually at, at my time in moving to Derby thought I'll, I'll become captain um, I have go, going way back as older cricket thought that I, I would like the opportunity one day to, to do the role I've spoken to captains in the past and they've, they've all said, I'm always learning, I'm always trying different things, I'm always trying to improve. But you, you seem to have taken to it quite naturally. Yeah, well, it's, it's nice of you to say. It doesn't, it doesn't always feel like that, James. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've, been very, um, I've been very fortunate um, at, at, Dar- at Derbyshire um, to have a really like, incredibly well supported by the, the senior players, uh, particularly... Um, I, I took over the captaincy from Wayne Madden, who you also know well. And, and when Wayne decided that he no longer wanted um, to, to do the role, he was incredibly supportive in me transitioning into the role and yeah, offering his 
sort of light and, and, and the council sharing his experience uh, and just to have his him helping you on a day-to-day basis along with uh, Tony Palladino another in- incredible senior pro at, at the club so to have them guys sort of in and around me particularly at the I'd say the first 12, 18, 24 months of me being captain because I was I'd say I was a young captain but relatively young I was mid-20s when when I took over or just a little bit older I, I think that that first sort of 24 months of of, of easing into the role and, and having that strong support on a day-to-day basis within the team, um, I, I think, yeah, really, really helped me get my foot in the door. And I'd like to think that with time, I have learned from uh, what's gone gone before, or at least tried, um, and I've been more comfortable actually putting my my own stamp on things and, and understanding how I want to captain the side or, or make decisions. So. I that makes sense. Yeah, this is going to be a really bad comparison because I was only captain of a, a very kind of sort of standard club team. But I, I always, I, I found that I got better at it. Uh, I, I, well, I think I did. You'd probably have to ask my teammates who are probably drunk in a pub somewhere. Well, not in lockdown. <laughs> um, but the, um, the, I, I always, I found that when I first started doing it, and and everybody kind of has these experiences, don't you? I, I think that's what what's great about cricket is because when you play for a club and you watch the professionals play and you can kind of understand what they're going through even though they're better than you and as a, as a captain of my club team when I first started I was a little bit timid I was kind of like reactive and I was following the ball and stuff but as you kind of grow into the role of doing it you start to maybe kind of drive the game a little bit more as a captain did, did you find that that you kind of you trust yourself and you trust your gut a little bit more as you get as you get a bit more experience of doing it yeah, I'm, a, a, a lot of that resonates uh, with myself, James, and, and totally understand it, irrespective of the standard of, of cricket you're playing. If you're a captain of a cricket team, it's, it's, it's all the similar challenges that the game uh, poses. I, I think for me, I, I think that first having that support from the from the senior guys and my friends internally, um, the first 12, 18, 24 months, I think really gave me time and space to understand what my style of captaincy, preference of style and captaincy was like. And then I think I had the time and space then to have confidence to do that day in, day out. Personally, uh, not everyone's the same. That's that's the beauty of the game and and life has got different characters. But um, I I very much like when it's appropriate time-wise and it's not always the case, particularly in in the middle of a T20 game. But... Um, I, I do like to have or seek the opinions of, of other people because I think more thoughts are better than just one. And I think I've just become more um, efficient and experienced at taking on them opinions and then running up, running them up against how I'm feeling and seeing the game and then making a decision. And as I said, I think that first sort of couple of years uh, working my way into to captaincy, I was very fortunate of the sort of internal support I had because um, it, it very much enabled me to, to realise that's how, well, that's my style and, and to go out there and, uh, and do that to the club. You've you got a good man there in Wayne Madsen, haven't you? I mean, I've talked about how, how pleasant the Derbyshire guys are, but Wayne Madsen must be one of the most, uh, one of the nicest guys in cricket, really. Yeah, nicest guys, well, in, in life, Madsen is, <laughs> yeah, a, a, a lovely man. And, yeah, just, as I said, he's been incredibly helpful, not just uh, within a captaincy context, but um, yeah, with with the close friends, and he's been a, a, a real um, support. I've learned a lot playing uh, alongside him 
within the context of my personal game. And equally as well, I must say, Tony Palladino, 38, I think now, Tone. Um, if I've stuck a year or two on him, then I, I apologise. But um, he's, he's coming to closer to 40 than he is 35. And yeah, all, all of his experience uh, and now to, to have kept such a long career being a medium fast bowler yeah, says a lot about the, the individual. He's, he's obviously had to be very um, astute and show a lot of nous with how he's developed his, his bowling and, um, and how he operates out on the field. Um, and you have to have a serious amount of determination to keep your body sort of fit and, and get up and bowl day in day out. And um, yeah, as well as Wayne, he's been um, he's been instrumental in, in supporting me, but also being a being someone that I've I've learned a great deal of, particularly over the last four or five years. Wayne Mudson and Tony Palladino, previous guests on the Cricket Badger podcast. So there's plenty of back catalogue out there, listeners. If you want to go back and listen to the chats with them. From previous editions of the podcast, then uh, feel free, Billy. We've done the good bits, um, the the good day in cricket, and we've talked about the, the the kind of proud being captain of Derbyshire. The worst day in cricket. What day would you not want me to take you back to? What What have you tried to kind of shed from your memory? I wouldn't tell want to shed this from my memory, but it's definitely my most difficult day um, as a professional, and it actually came off the field, James. Um, it was when I was very politely and diplomatically sacked by Essex in a, a, a little tent or marquee in the corner of Colchester Cricket Club. And yeah, look, I, I I was expecting it because of what had uh, transpired across my three or four years at the club. Um, but it, yeah, it was very different to, to hear the words and have it uh, definitively said to you that we no longer want or require your services at the club. And I remember jumping into my car and, and driving home thinking, I actually haven't got a job now. I'm, I'm not involved in the in the game that, that I love as a professional. Um, and yeah, that was a as you can imagine, it was a yeah difficult difficult 24 hours. And how long did it take you to get back into cricket from that day? I was I was very fortunate that I had I can't time frame. I, I can't be. I think it was around August time that would have been. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I, I had signed for Derbyshire at the start of October, um, and in in them intervening weeks, I was fortunate that I had other interests and, and offers reasonably quickly. But yeah, if memory serves me correctly, there was definitely a, a period of of a few weeks where you know I wasn't involved in in the game, and um, I didn't have anything sort of hard on on the on the table. Yeah, it was very from someone that's come straight out of school playing cricket to, to then just be taken out of it. Um, yeah, it was it was very difficult, uh, but I was equally as fortunate to, to to find another place to to play so quickly. It's almost one of those everything happens for a reason kind of moments, isn't it? And you end up at Derbyshire, you end up being captain, you end up spending quite a long time there. So it's uh, it all comes out in the wash, doesn't it? Well, it, did. it all comes out in the wash. I wouldn't have had my family if I'm, I've got sat that day in uh, in in the market at Colchester. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, um, grateful in a, in a strange, <laughs> strange sort of way. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the Cricket Badger podcast. The listeners are going up every single week through COVID-19. Hopefully, we're giving you a little bit of entertainment to take you away from the troubles in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Loads of great guests planned for the next few weeks as well. So stay tuned to Cricket Badger podcast. Like, subscribe. Thank you so much for your support of the Cricket Badger podcast.
Who was your cricket hero when you were a kid? Opening batters. So anyone that batted in the top three, I had a, a lot of admiration for. My, my English ones growing up were um, Atherton, Stewart, Stoffick, Vaughan and Strauss and Cook, who I was very fortunate enough to, to play with both of them guys. They were, they have all been huge influences on um, on my growing love for the game and, and who I enjoyed uh, watching and, and supporting. Um, I think away from that, my, my two, uh, the two careers I most admire were uh, Graham Smith and, and Matthew Hayden. And not surprisingly, two left-handed opening batters that had some well, had great presence out, out on the on the field. And I'd say that them two, uh, along along with the, the group of, of the English guys that I mentioned, were. Yeah, what most meaningful uh, to me uh, making my way in the game. I keep wanting to ask you supplementary questions on your answers, and uh, I'm just conscious of time that we need to rattle through some of these questions. But just, just very quickly, you, when you were at Middlesex, you were compared to Andrew Strauss, weren't you? Was that a pressure that you you ultimately didn't necessarily deal with? No, I don't think it was um, because I got compared to Strauss, Ramp, Gatting, <laughs> everybody um, when I was breaking loads of schoolboy sort of records and making hundreds on debut and you know, had a lot of smoke blown in my direction. At the time, I didn't, not really, I don't, I don't really, I don't feel like it, it obviously didn't sort of hamper me at the time because um, I, I'd done, I'd done well at every level that I was introduced to. I think the thing that I found difficult was when I did stumble across, as we all do in, in any field, um, a a period of failure, which I hadn't really had until my my late teens, or one I hadn't really experienced that in my life up to date. So that was strange and uncharted territory. And I think just the nature of being a a, te- a teenager at the time, I'm not. Um, I don't think I was sort of mature or emotionally balanced or developed enough to to be able to work through that in in the best possible way at the time. So yeah, I, w- I wouldn't say it was. It was hard being compared to the, the great Middlesex players. It, it was more um, my, my lack of, of experience and, and maturity at that age of, of dealing with, with failure. If you could trade lives with any current cricketer, live in their skin for a day, feel what it's like to be as good as them playing cricket, but also you know the things that maybe go around their lives in 24 hours, who would you pick? Uh, I'm so sorry, but if I could possibly, James, I'd have to answer this question with someone that's not a current cricketer because it would only be Surrey and Botham for me. If I could That's fine. If I could be if I could be anyone, yeah, it would be it would be it would be Surrey and Botham. Uh, particularly that summer in eighty one where he was batting, bowling, catching pigeons. Yeah, if 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 I could if I could just tweak the question slightly it would it would definitely be um uh, Surrey and Botham. I think we'll do that with that question from now on, actually, Billy. You, you've you've set the trend. I think we'll let people oh, go back sorry. in time as well. That's 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 my re- rebellious streak coming out, James. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm going to put you in charge of world cricket for a day. Um, your name is yeah. on the big office door. You've sat behind the big desk. Mm. What would you change or introduce to make cricket better? No, I'm, I know it's not going to be the most popular answer from a financial standpoint, um, particularly in light of of what we're working through at the moment. But for me, I, I grew up loving and admiring test cricket and test cricketers so whilst not cutting the the game's nose off financially um i, I would most certainly my primary sort of course of action would be to to safeguard and look after the the great game of, of test cricket how that is done or, or what needs to be done 
for that to happen is yeah, is, a, is a question for someone a lot higher up. Mate, you're than, in charge, myself, Billy. You're, you're, you're well, in charge, Billy. Uh, you know, what, you, what you do, Billy, is you delegate it and you say, right, I want you to safeguard test cricket, go off and do it. And that's, that's, your, that's your job as boss. That's my brief. And then I'll, what I'll try and do is, is recruit the people that um, that would best be able to get that as uh, something tangible. So yeah, there's yeah, there's there's the answer. If you were starting your career again and you were mm. the young Billy Godelman, and maybe you could write yourself a letter or send yourself a text, whatever the, the technology allows, is there anything you'd advise yourself back then as a, maybe a fifteen year old or something like that that you could do differently with your career to to maybe get something more out of yourself? Most certainly, yeah. The one thing brings straight to mind is pursuing things away from the game and and seeing or understanding their value not only to cricket development and performance uh, but most importantly um, and I say I'll reinforce that most importantly my well-being um, as, a, as a person uh, I, I look back at my early years and obviously I, I love the game all I wanted to do is, is be playing cricket but I think the false equation I had in my head was if I'm always sleeping, eating, breathing cricket, the more balls I hit, the more play that, that I accumulate, the, the better I'm, my results are going to be. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, you, you need to you need to put the time and, and the repetitions in to, to get to get better at anything. But I think certainly at, at a young at a younger age, um, I channeled and zoned into cricket far too much and far too early. Um, so yeah, the, the couple of pieces of advice I, I would be very strict in pursuing something um, academically just so that there was something on the on the CV that you could potentially fall back on if, if cricket was taken from you or is ended for you sooner than, you, than you'd like, like my sort of instance at, at, at Colchester. Um, but also I'd really be encouraging myself to pursue um, other hobbies and, and interests uh, just to make sure that you're you're getting out of the cricket space and world. You, you're communicating with different people. You're seeing life, and you manage to, to gain a perspective that that there's more to life than cricket. And, and cricket is actually only a part of us all as, as human beings. Um, I think that would have been a very helpful younger point in, in in my life. I mean, obviously not a cricket coach, but I think I've seen enough cricket to kind of understand the game a little bit. And, and you know, seeing professionals in action. Batting's quite technical, but it's actually ultimately very simple, isn't it? You stand there and you hit the ball. And I think, you know, in, in my experience of kind of seeing professionals trying to um, train and everything, the, the, sometimes the ones that take it massively seriously and go into the minutiae of technique and stuff like that and work on stuff and tinker with things and, all, and think about it all the time actually don't yeah. necessarily succeed as much as the ones that are a little bit more laid back about it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a... A, a really good observation, James. A very accurate one. I, yeah, I think that I just find it again through experience now. This is in sixteenth year as a professional, so I have some experience to lean on. Uh, if you spend all your time seriously analysing the game, and uh, and the game becomes everything, um, I, I think at some point, somewhere along the line, that you're going to run out of, of, of some steam or, or energy. Or, as we've spoken about previously, if the game no longer is a possibility for you at that level, you've got no, you've got nothing else going on, and that can be a very um, yeah, very lonely and, um, and difficult place. So, um, I, I totally echo your your views on on the guys that are 
slightly more laid back or have things outside the game or interest outside the game are able to yeah, to perform more consistently. But most importantly, James, their, their mental uh, well-being is uh, given more, more of a chance to stay healthy. They say rock stars want to be sportsmen and vice versa. If you could have been famous doing something else, what would you have chosen to do? Do you know what? Not just because it's in the question, but yeah, I think a, a lead, lead guitarist of a, of a great rock band would, I, I think I'd have to choose choose that James if I could uh, if I could come back head in the Floyd or Stones or Zeppelin then um, other than going out and, and open the bat in it at the Barbershire County ground I think that would be uh, that'd be right up there If you could meet anybody living or dead it's that kind of dinner party yeah. question really who would you like to meet and uh, and chew the fat with and find out a little bit more about them Well alongside my favourite rock musicians that generally come from late 60s to the end of the 70s and, and have a guitar in their hand. Um, I, I'd have to say someone from the podcast world, actually, um, an American guy called uh, Tim Ferriss that has... Uh, oh, I thought uh, you were going to uh, invite me out then. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, uh, <laughs> um, I've, yeah, I've spent lots of time listening to his content and an avid reader of, uh, of some of his books as well. He would be someone definitely to spend the afternoon um, with, with would be uh, yeah, would be something I would I'd really enjoy doing. Do you like listening to podcasts? I, I find um, yeah, especially since starting doing this one a couple of years ago, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I find them really interesting, actually. You know, variety of different yeah. subjects, and yeah, try maybe sometimes from a kind of professional side of things, try and pick up some uh, kind of hints and ways to do things. But there's some really good ones out there, aren't there? Yeah, it's a fantastic one, uh, and and it is it's just a it's a really good resource to. Yeah, to get some more content on on board, especially if you if you're more of an audio learner or your time constraints um, are such that you can't sit down and uh, and read or, or or talk to someone. To have the, the podcast is or something audio is is an amazing resource. Um, but personally, particularly on commuting time as well on longer journeys, I, I find them really good company. And and yeah, the, the fact that you can learn bits and pieces along the way is a is a massive a massive bonus. They've just made Billy Godelman the movie. Steven Spielberg's got it. Who has he cast in the lead role to play you? Does it have to be someone like a famous actor, Jay? It can be anybody you want. Oh, it'd be my brother then. Your brother? Um, okay. Yeah, I play my, my... Looks pretty similar to me. And yeah, I think if I was enabling someone to play my life, it'd have to be someone that I trusted and, and had a, a good relationship with. Um, and yeah, you, you don't get much... Uh, closer and trustworthy than, uh, than your brother. You can get a cameo playing your brother in the film as well, okay? It suits everybody. Yeah. What's the last time you can remember feeling really nervous? It doesn't have to be cricket, it could be anything, but if when was the last time you really got the butterflies and thought, flipping heck, I'm feeling a bit tense here? I get nervous quite a lot, James. So it, it, I'd have to say that, yeah, the, 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 the butterflies on, on finals day this season just gone were... Were, were pretty strong not not actually necessarily when well not at all when when we went out onto the field but we ended up playing the second game which was the the second semi-final so we arrived at the game as the as the first semi-final had started and yeah just the sort of the enormity of the uh, of, of the crowd and the atmosphere and, and knowing that you were going to take part in it and yeah there was uh there was one or two butterflies on, on the go there but strangely enough just for me personally it, as soon as I then step onto to the field, they yeah they disappear. It's more the the lead up. Big day for Derbyshire, that wasn't it? How how did you find it? It was it was disappointing actually, James. Um, 
we were we were obviously really pleased uh, and proud to have played the cricket we did and, and make it to a finals day. But yeah, just because we are one of the, the smaller clubs and, and we certainly were the underdogs throughout the tournament and, and on the day, it didn't mean that we were turning up there just to take part and, and whatever whatever we got was was a bonus we we wanted and, and we thought that we could we could win two games and, and miss the trophy. So yeah, it was it was a it was a great experience. Really pleased for our sort of members and, and supporters to to finally get to a finals day. Um, and and for the team as well because we'd we'd worked really hard and played some some good stuff over the last few years. Um, but yeah, the overriding uh, feeling for me was was disappointment. We we got beat comfortably in the semi final and didn't have the opportunity to to play for the cup in the final. What is the top item on your bucket list? Things to do before you die. What's number one? Have another child. <laughs> um, I yeah, I'd love to uh, to extend my family. So yeah, got. God willing, though, there'll be a, another Godwoman at, at least in, in, the, uh, in the near future, James. You've got plenty of time at the moment during lockdown to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant. Are you a morning or a night person? Oh, definitely morning. Yeah, I'm an early riser. Quite enjoy like my own sort of time and space for a period in the day. And that generally comes... At the crack of dawn before the, the, the fun and the chaos of, of, of family life at the start. So, yeah, very much a, a morning person, James. On a scale of one to ten, ten's the fonds, as cool as you can get. Where would you <laughs> stick yourself on that spectrum? Oh, I'd like to think I was closer to ten than I, than I was one, but I'd mostly really stick myself somewhere in the middle. I'll push myself the other side of five, six. I'd put myself six. <laughs> Harry Gurney voted himself one the other day. Which, uh, yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you have access to a time machine, where and when would you mm. like to go to? You can go forwards, you can go backwards, you can go wherever you like. Where would you drive it to? I'd go back uh, to two points, actually. I'd love to go back to the start of my uh, son's life. I think now he's come to an age where I just want to want to pause him and it feels like it's going really quickly. So, yeah, to have... To, to get back and, and, and start that whole process again would, would, would be amazing. And, and equally, actually transporting back in time to my early childhood life as well. Playing games with uh, brother and sister and mum and dad all, all as a five collective were some of my most um, meaningful and, and happy memories. So, yeah, one of, one of those two, James. If you could live anywhere in the world, and cricketers are quite lucky, aren't they? You get to travel a fair bit and see the sunshine. Where would you choose to stick down your roots if you could buy somewhere anywhere in the world? Cape Town, it would be, James, for me. Good answer. Um, yeah, spent quite a lot of um, quite a lot of my time outside of England in in Cape Town over the years. So it's a part of the world that I know uh, know very well. It, it's yeah, it's got it's got everything for, for me personally. I, I love to hike and look at mountains. You've got the see there good weather nice people sports mad food's great pound goes a long way yeah i could go on so yeah cape town if you could change one thing about yourself what would you change I found this one difficult james not because there's nothing to change but i am a it's, it's narrowing it down be- is it <laughs> well just yeah or, or i'm just a, i'm a big believer in you 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 are you are who you are um and uh, more of a pragmatic approach of of making the most with the cards you dealt and if you don't like something or you'd like something to be changed 
roll your sleeves up and, and, and get to work. So I hope that is a sufficient answer. What will you be doing in 10 years' time? Where will Billy Godelman be in a decade? Uh, hopefully involved, still involved in the game. I'm pursuing my, my coaching um, badges uh, throughout my career. So uh, I'm a level three qualified coach and, and hoping to to finish my or to get on and finish my level four while still being a player. So yeah, hopefully I'm I'm adding value and giving back to to the great game of cricket in in some team or, or some way. Yeah, in, in a decade's time. We've reached question number twenty. If you'd been picking these questions and you'd been me and you'd been asking Billy Godelman these questions. What would you have chosen to ask to get a fantastic and exclusive answer? I think the one that, as I was answering them, was I felt most passionate about was the, and I'm paraphrasing the question, so I do apologise. It was around the, um, what would you, um, what would you different do differently if you were starting out in the in the game uh, again? Yeah, I think through my own personal experiences and and having observed other people in in the game and in life. Yeah, if you tie your identity too closely to one given thing, whatever that be, in my case, cricket, um, I, I don't think that gives you the, the, the best chance for um, progress and most importantly, um, uh, mental well-being. As a captain now, Billy, and as a, as a senior man in that uh, that dressing room, you've got obviously a lot of youngsters coming through at Derbyshire. Is that something you, you pass on as advice to people when you when they come in and they're bright-eyed and they're... Do you see a, a young Billy Godelman there and you think, hmm, yeah, let's let's give him some advice and pass it on or do you just kind of wait for them to come to you and ask you? No, I'm, I'm very I'm very forthcoming in any any communication and, uh, and exchanges. However, I do remember the bright-eyed Billy Godelman and um, however much I, I respected and liked my captains at, at the time, I'm not sure how well... Or how helpful it it would have been to have someone, although they were my captain, um, making sort of the demands or too many suggestions to me. So I very much do share on my experiences as I've had them to the the younger guys. Um, but I do very much frame it in a way of these are my experiences. If you can run them up against your own, and you find some sort of value there then then brilliant it very much comes from uh, from that stance rather than you must do this or back in my day we've done that uh, i wish i'd have done it this way so yeah that's very much my way like with my captaincy and um, and general day-to-day life uh, uh, it's very important to me to be be myself Billy, I've kept you far longer than I than I said I would, but I've really enjoyed this chat. It's been it's been really good to catch up with you, mate. And uh, thank you very Likewise, much for joining yeah. me on the podcast. Yeah. And uh, wish you and all the Derbyshire guys and all the supporters down there every success. And uh, well, hopefully you get back on uh, and you're playing well far quicker than than I feared at the start of this chat. But I wish you all the best, mate. Mm. Thanks very much, and I appreciate you having me. And uh, keep up the uh, the great work, James. Good to speak. It's that Badger style. My thanks to Billy Godelman for joining me on the Cricket Badger podcast today. I spoke at the start about how pleasant the Derbyshire guys were. We spoke in that chat about Wayne Madsen being one of the nicest guys in cricket. Well, I think Billy Godelman is right up there with him. Hopefully, Billy's lockdown continues to be productive or even reproductive. Made me laugh that, actually, his answer to that question. He certainly sounds like he's going to be enjoying lockdown far more than me in isolation in a one-bedroom flat all on my own. I'm very, very jealous. Got some good ones, actually, for you on the Cricket Badger podcast over the next few days. Dion Kreish, 
who I knew at Yorkshire when he came across from South Africa to play county cricket. Thoroughly good egg and some really good answers as well from him on the next edition of the Cricket Badger podcast. And then we have a legend. He's a legend in gloves and he's a legend who now has an easel and a paintbrush. No more clues required. It's Jack Russell who's coming along very, very soon on the Cricket Badger podcast too. And then another thoroughly good egg, Keaton Jennings, Lancashire and England batsman joins me as well on the cricket badger podcast to talk all things england lancashire and he answers the cricket badger 20 questions as well also talking to a very well-known pakistan player a legend of the game who i'm hoping will join us on the cricket badger podcast very soon indeed so there's plenty to look forward to as you tune in to the cricket badger podcast Supported ably by tvsportsblog.com. My thanks to them for their association with the Cricket Badger podcast. Give them a follow at TV Sports Blog on Twitter. And have a look at the website. Got some really good stuff on there, including some of the Cricket Badger podcasts now, which you probably already heard because you're listening to me already. But uh, some plenty of other stuff from uh, the other sports out there on tvsportsblog.com. Been a pleasure to be with you today. Been a pleasure to speak to Billy. My thanks again to him for his time. Look after each other, stay safe and well. I'll see you next time on the Cricket Badger Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.